Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Murphy's League. Today's episode, I'm going to be previewing the entirety of week 3 of the NFL. Going to be starting off with some of the teams that have the most to lose, as well as some of the teams that have the most to prove, as far as it's not a fluke so far, or maybe on the flip side of that, if they need to prove to themselves in their locker room, their fan base, that they are for real and they should be taken seriously. On the flip side of that, we're going to be talking about some 0-2 teams that must win now or their season can be a very slippery slope from there. After that, I'm going to get into some fantasy starts and sits as per usual. And then finally, I'm going to close off the episode with some of my best bets. So be sure to stay tuned for it all. As always, there will be timestamps down below. Thank you for tuning in and let's get into it. So as I mentioned in the intro, we're going to be starting off with some teams that have a lot to prove and some other ones that have a lot to lose with this upcoming week of football. Let's start off with some 0-2 teams, and they might have their backs against the wall this week. First off, the Cincinnati Bengals. Have to start with them. So much expectation going into each and every single season. Obviously, with Joe Burrow as their quarterback, they have made it to the playoffs every year that he has been healthy the entire year and even further than that they've made it to the AFC championship game twice also of course played in the Super Bowl against the Rams which they eventually lost so of course the expectation for this team is not only playoffs but by far and beyond the playoffs so whether it is divisional round wild card round just winning the division is kind of an expectation for this team going into the season we know how tough it is to do that in the AFC North maybe not as tough as some would have thought going into the season because it's looking like the Browns are still the Browns of old and the Steelers don't look like they really have improved on offense in the way that a lot of people including myself thought they would but nevertheless you can't take those teams for granted after all the Cleveland did put on a show in week one against Cincinnati where they beat them at home and Cincinnati now faces a very very desperate Rams team that wants to prove to the world that they are here to stay. Puka Nakua is for real. A lot of these other guys, these younger players, are here to stay. They're not to be taken lightly. And of course, it is a rematch of the Super Bowl they played two years ago. But even beyond that, Joe Burrow has re-aggravated this calf injury. That is definitely something to monitor. And they don't really have time to be losing any more games. We already know how hard it is to win the division and make the playoffs starting 0-2. 0-3, there have been very, very few teams that have been able to turn a season around like that. And of course, the Joe Burrow injury just amplifies the severity of the situation. And it sounds like he's going to be good to go and ready to play. It sounds like he was day-to-day -day right after it happened. So I'm assuming he will play. But again, this is something that... Getting injured once, it's always possible that there w will be re-aggravation there. And even beyond that, like this is just a team that is in a very, very competitive conference. And you can never count out this team just with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. We know how good they can be together and how good they have been in the past. Obviously, you can't count them out. But as each week approaches and they continue to stack up these types of losses, it just makes their margin for error much, much thinner best case scenario for this team you want a home playoff game obviously you want a first round bye you want to be able to have that number one seed be sitting at home and let the other teams you know rough it out while you're sitting at home getting an extra week of rest an extra week of practice and preparation for a game when you start off 0-2 the likelihood of that happening is very low when you start off 0-3 it's just getting lower and lower and lower my point is it's a must-win game for the Cincinnati Bengals going against the Los Angeles Rams this weekend 
it's the same case for the Chargers. You could argue it's even worse for the Chargers in a way because they are in a division with the Chiefs. You know, the perennial reigning Super Bowl champion Chiefs that have won their division seven years in a row. The Chargers, I mean, I don't think anyone was really expecting to outright take the division from Kansas City. But again, this is a team that year in and year out, again, this is their window. Justin Herbert is their guy. He just got paid just similar to Joe Burrow. Obviously, they have a lot of their guys coming back in Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack, JC Jackson is playing again. So there's still expectation for this team and there still is a lot of talent. And it seems like this is the same old Chargers team where their points allowed and points scored are only th like five points away, but they are 0-2. I believe they're the only team in NFL history to score, I think it was 50 plus points, if I'm not mistaken, and be 0-2 throughout the first two weeks. So in a similar spot to the Bengals, but at the same time, you could argue they're in more trouble because of who else is in their division, and that is the Kansas City Chiefs, reigning Super Bowl Chiefs. The Vikings, also very similar to the situation with the Chargers. They're actually playing each other this weekend. Whoever is going to come out of this game is going to start 0-3, and then the odds are really stacked against them to make the playoffs at this point. The Minnesota Vikings, I mean, I didn't have as high expectations to, for them going into this season, but in the same aspect, they're in the NFC. I think there's a little less pressure on them compared to the Chargers, again, because of where the Chargers are playing. Not only did I mention that they're in the division with the Chiefs, we all know that, but the AFC is stacked beyond that. We This is really not an argument to say the AFC is far deeper than the NFC at this point in time. So, I mean, even if the Vikings do fall to 0-3, there is still a way where they can bring it back and salvage it salvage this season excuse me and find a way to sneak into the wild card spot but if the chargers fall behind i mean there are just so many good teams in the afc obviously the jets lost aaron Rodgers, but i mean beyond that you've got the ravens you've got the bills you've got the dolphins you've got cincinnati of course which i was just talking about but my point is there's plenty of great teams in the afc even the jacksonville jaguars which obviously made a historic comeback win against the chargers last year in the playoffs so you know there's a lot of pressure on these teams chargers are one of them that have a lot of pressure on them. vikings and the last one i want to cover this one has the least expe expectations of all of them so that's why i wanted to leave them for last but the New England Patriots, another 0-2 team. Again, similar argument to the Chargers in an, in the AFC, in possibly an even better division than the AFC West. I think it is a better division in the AFC East. Um, and they, again, just don't have a lot of time to fall behind. The margin for error is only going to get smaller and smaller. You've heard it with these last two teams. It's the exact same argument, especially with the Chargers case, where they're in the AFC. The AFC is extremely competitive, and they are going to have less and less margin of error going forward if they do continue to lose now flipping to the teams with the most to prove this week i think there's three teams that really stick out to me i want to start with the washington commanders i think this is one of the most interesting games of the entire week and probably is the biggest prove it game in the entire week week excuse me um and that is because of how sam howell performed last week sam howell looked fantastic I loved the gunslinger mentality he plays with while also keeping the ball out of harm's way for the most part. He's, it's, you never want to compare someone to Patrick Mahomes, but there really is a similarity there as far as obviously Eric Bieniemy came in and he's running a very similar offense that Mahomes has been seeing, but the way that Howell can really stretch the field vertically and really just respect the deep ball he is a tremendous thrower of the football in terms of velocity in terms of accuracy he showed a lot of promise over the last two weeks and for those reasons you know 
he does have the Buffalo Bills coming into town. I'm going to pause this really quick. Sorry about that. As I was saying, the Bills are coming into town visiting the Washington Commanders, and this, this is a huge opportunity for Sam Howell to prove to the world that he is the real deal. This Bills defense is legit. They have a really good defensive line, but if anything, Howell has proven he is willing to stick in that pocket and take a hit to complete a pass. That is one of the best parts about his entire game. And this is just a moment where he can, even if they don't win the football game, he can really put his foot down and say, like, I am the guy here. We are here to stay. And you should take us seriously as the Washington Commanders. So I'm really, really excited for that game. And I think Sam Howell as an individual has so much to gain from this weekend. And I really hope he can make the most out of the opportunity. And give commanders fans the hope that they deserve and they really haven't seen a quarterback this good since kirk in a way he almost reminds me of him in what i was addressing earlier where he stands in the pocket and is able to deliver balls on time and just be fearless back there but talent wise this is legitimately one of the more talented quarterbacks they've had in a very very long time really great athlete really great arm and i'm really excited to see what he can do against this buffalo bills team up next the chicago bears organization has so much to prove this weekend you know that i was going to talk about the bears in this episode i talk about the bears in every single episode they're my team you should know this by now i'm going to talk about this team and they need to be talked about right now because frankly it seems like this team is kind of falling apart at the seams i don't really care what ryan Poles has come out and said that no one's turning against each other and we're all trying to make each other better everyone's holding each other accountable no one's pointing fingers bullshit i don't believe it i think the receivers are pointing fingers at justin fields i think justin fields is pointing fingers at the coaching staff i think this thing is very very close to just completely ripping out the seams on all fronts and going into arrowhead feels like the perfect recipe for the perfect ass whooping and then chicago media is already freaking out it's going to be far far worse after this game unless the chicago bears can show us some glimmers of hope they have so much to prove not only to themselves to their fans but the media just the entire league as a matter of fact they can they have something to prove to them that they should be taken seriously and they're not in contention for the number one overall pick because first two weeks of the season they look like a team that should be in contention for the number one overall pick one of the worst teams in all of football so they have a lot to prove to everyone they have a lot to prove to themselves again it's just one of these scenarios where this could fall apart very very quickly and they need to get this ship sailed in the right direction obviously no one is expecting them to go into kansas city and win probably not even going to be a very competitive game but can you just show us something can justin fields show us some development in the passing game can he look like a more viable option going forward just now that our defensive coordinator is gone our defense hasn't been looking very good in the past couple weeks can they show us something there's just so much up in the air and we will only have some glimmer of answers by sunday up next the new york giants this is a very similar situation to the chicago bears where the new york giants were honestly a couple quarters away from absolute catastrophe in that arizona cardinals game now they're going into san francisco and by the time you're listening to this this is probably already going to be over so you guys will know how close or not close that game was but it's a very similar situation to the bears where i think they need to prove to themselves their locker room their fans that they are here they are for real and the san francisco 49ers they don't have much to lose or prove in this one because i mean i guess they do have something to lose obviously if you lose to this to the new york giants at home when they're entirely beat up that's a big deal that's not what i'm trying to say but 
we already know how good the San Francisco 49ers are. They have nothing to prove to us. The New York Giants, on the other hand, I don't need to see a little more from them. But that's going to do it for the most to lose and most to prove segment of this episode. Let's get on to fantasy starts and sits. All right, so for the fantasy starts and sits, I'm going to go through each and every single game, talk about guys you're going to want to be starting, guys you're going to want to be sitting. So starting off with the Falcons-Lions game, I would start Jameer Gibbs for obvious reasons. I don't really think you're going to be benching him anytime soon anyways, but David Montgomery, even if he does end up playing in this one, his role should be far more limited, leaves more opportunity for Jameer Gibbs. I know that there is some injuries along this offensive line, um, and that might make this game a little bit closer than people anticipate it to be. But the matter of fact is, just opportunities-wise, Jameer Gibbs is going to have his. We know how explosive he can be. We saw that coming out of college. He is a dude who can take a singular touch to the house at any given point. So Jameer Gibbs, with the opportunity he's being given, is going to be started this week. I would bench the Falcons receivers in this one. Again, Detroit does have some injuries, and some of them do happen to be in the secondary. Emmanuel Mosley mispracticed this week. But as a whole, I just do not trust this Falcons passing offense at all. I know the Lions last year were historically bad against the pass, but they have made drastic improvements in that in their secondary, obviously adding CJ Gardner-Johnson, Cam Sutton, Emmanuel Mosley, to name a few guys back there. Um, I really like Kirby Joseph as well. The point is um, Desmond Ritter, his average depth of target has been pretty abysmal. It's pretty obvious that this coaching staff doesn't entirely trust him, and he has a lot more to show me just before I feel confident starting guys like Drake London or Kyle Pitts. Again, this is a run first team, a run second team, and a run third, and then run play action the next play. It's just very, very run heavy. Bijan is going to be the guy that you're going to be starting each in each week. Excuse me. And Drake London and Kyle Pitch should stay on your bench for this one. Up next, we've got, <clears throat> excuse me, we've got the Vikings versus the Chargers. I would bench Alexander Madison in this one, and it's not even necessarily because of Cam Akers coming in and possibly taking some touches away from him. I really don't think that's going to be the case, at least right off the bat, maybe later down the line. But Madison just straight up hasn't been efficient in the opportunities that he has gotten, and this Chargers run defense is much improved this year, at least so far. They've, they've dealt... Um, very nicely with running backs they dealt pretty well with derrick henry and tajay spears last week the year the not the year the week before that they dealt very well with all of miami's weapons in the backfield so alexander madison just multiple reasons why you shouldn't start him not only is he inefficient not only is there a guy coming in there in cam Akers, but this Chargers run defense at least on paper has been much better this year but i would be starting jordan addison because on the flip side <laughs> this Chargers secondary has been abysmal one of the worst in the league so far Obviously, they let Tyreek absolutely carve them up. But even beyond that, uh, Traylon Burks went for a lot of long bombs in that game. This secondary just really cannot cover a whole lot of people very well. Jordan Addison, you already know you're going to start Hawkinson and JJ, so I'm really not going to mention those guys. All the very obvious starts, I'm not going to mention because it's like I just feel like I don't need to. Whereas Jordan Addison, you know, maybe you're considering putting, on a, putting him on the bench. I would definitely keep him in your starting lineup this week. Furthermore, Saints versus Packers. I would wait one more week on Aaron Jones. He probably won't play, but even if he does, I would just keep him benched. These hamstring injuries can linger, and he's probably not going to be 100%. Well, definitely not going to be 100%, and they're definitely not going to give him the workload like he is 100%. They're going to ease his way back into this one. They definitely don't want to re-aggravate that injury. He is very important to this offense, and it's, I'm kind of thinking the same idea for Christian Watson in the sense that 
even if he is back in this one and playing, which I think he is, it's going to be in a limited role. He's missed two weeks in a row. I don't really expect him to come back in and get 100% of the snaps by any means. So I would wait one more week on Christian Watson. It's also worth mentioning that this Saints secondary, Marshawn Lattimore in particular, has been playing very, very well this season. And if Christian Watson is back in this game, he would likely be lining up against him most snaps in this one. Kendra Miller is an interesting one in this game because this might be the only time all year that you can start him with all the injuries that the Saints have had in their running back room. And obviously Alvin Kamara is not back yet. He's going to be back by next week. But Kendra Miller is definitely an interesting one. This Packers run defense hasn't been too great. But then again, they faced the Bears running game, which is actually pretty good. And Bijan Robinson and the Falcons running game, which is very, very elite. So it's a little bit hit or miss, and I could see why you'd be hesitant to do it. But in deeper leagues, if you really need a guy to start at your flex, say you've had injuries like a Nick Chubb, like a Saquon, someone like that, and you really need to fill a flex spot or an RB2 spot, I wouldn't hate Quen, excuse me, Kendra Miller as a start. And I think it could be a really interesting sneaky, sneaky bet to take. Up next, Alave, of course, must start. Again, I said I wasn't going to mention obvious guys. Kind of just did. My bad. Um, Jags versus Houston. Tank Dell and Nico Collins could be sneaky starts in this one. I don't know if I'm going to straight up advise you to start either one of them. I'd probably start Nico Collins over Tank Dell just because we've seen more. Um, I know that their target share has been very similar over the past couple weeks. But Nico Collins, I've just... We've seen it from that last year. He's not a rookie. Um, Tank Dell, even though he is getting more and more opportunities. And he should only get more opportunities this week as well. I just have seen it more more weeks than I haven't from Nico. But again, if you're going to start Tank Dell in a deeper league or you really need receiver help, if you're in like a 14, 12-man league and you've had some receiver injuries, I'm not going to hate you for wanting to start Tank Dell in this one. But I would just do so with caution. That's all I'm going to say. It would be very sneaky. But also, if they end up with four points, don't be surprised. I'll just say that. I also like Zay Jones as a sneaky start in this one. Again, you're going to start ETN. You're going to start Calvin Ridley. But Zay Jones is really seeming to be like that second guy in this offense. He missed some time last game, so that's why Christian Kirk had more opportunities. But Zay Jones, when they're in two wide receiver sets, seems to be the guy that they like to go there. Um, and I just really like what I've seen from in the limited action. He ended the year really well for Jacksonville, and he had an incredible week one. Made some really impressive highlight reel catches. So Zay Jones, I really like him. Maybe that's a little biased of me, but I think he's a good sneaky start again. Especially if you're lacking some some depth, you're in a deeper league. Up next, I'm not going to be starting any Bronco. Um, I think this Dolphins defense is really going to find their own, and I just don't think this this Broncos offense is very predictable right now. Jerry Judy is the one guy I'd be keeping my eye on because he is seemingly back and healthier. He was obviously dealing with a hamstring issue before the season started, and it lingered into the season. But he had his most routes um, out of any receiver for the Broncos last week. I think. Maybe Cortland Sunday more, but again, Jerry Judy's numbers should only be increasing in this one. I just don't really like how what his role is going to be in this offense. He's not going to be like the big play guy. And we saw Russ, even though we saw him last week, find the balance and being able to take more deep shots. This offense just completely disappeared in the second half, and I still think they're just a little bit un too unpredictable. So I'm not going to hate you if you want to put Jerry Judy in your starting lineup again if you have fairly weak receivers or you're fairly thin there that's not the worst start in the world um javante williams is another guy where it's like you could make the argument but i would definitely prefer other guys over him um, i'm not starting sutton i'm not starting um 
P. Ryan or any one of those guys. I really don't know who else was going to be in this offense that I would suggest to start. Um, but Judy, I definitely would get the argument for the most. But if there's better options, I think he's like a middling like wide receiver three. Like he's probably going to be like the 25th highest scoring projected guy this week or something like that. So I guess like a high end wide receiver three, maybe low end receiver two. But I'm just not really trusting that. Um, and then, of course, this is kind of the reminder. Be ready to take Jalen Waddle out of your starting lineup because he is dealing with a concussion. Um, I don't know if it was actually confirmed, but he was in the protocols. So if he doesn't end up passing that, just don't be surprised if he doesn't end up playing and be ready to get him out of your starting lineup. Titans defense is going to be a great start this week. You could say the Browns defense could be a pretty good start. <laughs> I think this game could get ugly and be very low scoring. I'll talk about that in a second once I get to my best bets. But the Browns defensive line, or sorry, offensive line is very, very beat up. And this Titans defensive line has been consistently great for, I mean, honestly, years now. But we've seen it at the beginning of this season. They're getting consistent pressure. They're really good at stopping the run. Their secondary is a different is a different uh is a different story. They're very mediocre and that's being nice. I think they're mediocre at best. I think they're pretty well below average as a secondary unit right now. But Watson is not playing like he's going to be able to take advantage of that. He's really not throwing the ball down the field very well at all. We've seen that the past two weeks. Uh, the weather didn't seem to be the entire factor in week one because week two, the weather was fine, and he did not play very well against the Steelers at all. This Titans defense has a very similar formula there where they have a lot of guys, a very deep rotation up front that can get consistent pressure. That's definitely going to be affecting Watson and his decision-making, all that kind of stuff. It's just harder to play quarterback when you're on under constant pressure. And again, this Titans defense weakness is not going to be able to be exploited by Deshaun Watson. So the Titans defense are definitely a unit that I'm looking to be starting this week. You can make the same argument for the Browns defense. This Browns defense has an incredible defensive line. Their secondary has been playing very, very well, led by a lot of young guys. Grant Delpit is a very good safety. Martin Emerson is really emerging as a very good cornerback in this league, and we know how good Denzel Ward can be. So I could get see this game very it being very low scoring and ugly. And for those reasons, I'm starting both of their defenses Jerome Ford could be interesting I think he will likely be the starter in this offense going forward but I would be wary about starting him this week I think in the future he can definitely be a viable start and he's going to get a majority of the touches over Kareem Hunt I still think that they prefer him to be the guy there's a reason why Hunt wasn't re-signed in the first place and they didn't bring him back until they absolutely needed him for the depth so I still think Jerome Ford is a viable start going forward, especially once his offensive line is a little more healthy. But just be wary about it in this matchup because, again, this Titans defensive line is very, very good. It's the biggest strength of the team, frankly. And then as far as Titans offensive players, I mean, you're going to start Henry. You're probably going to end up starting Hopkins. Just, again, be wary about Hopkins. If you have a better option there, I would take it. For example, like if you're between Jordan Addison excuse me, and DeAndre Hopkins, Frankly, I would start Jordan Addison over him. That's just me. But without further ado, that's going to do it for the fantasy segment of this episode. I hope that does help you guys. Um, oh, no, I'm not done. No, we're cool. We're cool. We're cool. My bad. Bills versus Commanders. This might be the most intriguing matchup of the week, like I said earlier. Um, I would be starting B-Rob and Terry McLaurin, but with caution because, again, I want to believe that Sam Howell at home can rally the troops, and this is going to be a very competitive game. 
but there's also definitely a world where the commanders come back down to earth a little bit. This Bills defense is still really good. Matt Milano is fucking incredible. That interception he had over Josh Jacobs, I kind of forgot to mention it in the last episode. That was fucking incredible. To see a linebacker moss a running back like that, I don't know if I've ever seen a play quite like that. And so Brian Robinson had a lot of his points through the receiving game last week because, again, they were down so much and he was getting a lot of snaps in the receiving game. Matt Milano, that's going to be a really interesting... Sorry if you could hear that. That's going to be a really interesting matchup to watch. And again, I still think you're starting both of these guys just because how well they've been playing. But start with caution. Um, I'm not advising you to bench either one of these guys. But be wary. That's all I'm going to say. And then, of course, the Bills. You already know who you're going to start. You're going to start Allen. You're going to start Diggs. You're going to start Dawson Knox. No surprise there. Ravens backfield is definitely an interesting one because... It's going to be a true 50-50 split between Justice Hill and Gus Edwards, which of course is really going to limit both of their ceilings. They are playing against the Indianapolis Colts this week, so the Colts' defense is actually pretty damn good. They held Damian Pierce to 15 carries for 31 yards when they played him week one, and then held Tank Bigsby to 1.9 yards per carry on seven touches. ETN had 4.1 yards per carry, but keep in mind ETN was one of the guys who was damn near the top of the league last year in yards per carry, and he had that one breakaway run later in the game to really seal the deal. So overall, they were really efficient against the run all year long, and I think that we're going to continue to see that. I think this could be a lower scoring game than people think. I think it could be a lot closer than people think. I really like Shane Steichen as a head coach hire for this team. I'm not exactly sure what the over-under is at. I probably should have checked. Maybe I'm kind of talking myself into taking the under in this game um, just because I think it's going to be close or Colts spread because I think they're like seven and a half point dogs. I get that their starting quarterback might be out and Anthony Richardson, but Gardner Minshew is one of, if not the most capable backup in the entire league. Okay, guys, the Colts are seven and a half point dogs at plus 100. That is a bet I would definitely be looking. You know what? Book it. Skip. Put that in my best bets. I'll If you skip to the in this episode, I'll make sure to bring it up later, but that is definitely a bet I'd be looking to, I'd be looking to take. Um, but going back to the Ravens' backfield really quickly, uh, this is really going to limit both of these running back ceilings in the way that they're both splitting touches 50-50. And I think they're probably both should be sat this week. Um, Gus Edwards is going to be the starter, or is going to be the one that you're going to want to start first because he's going to get those more valuable touches. He's obviously the bigger back. He's the bigger bruiser back. Um, so you'd think in goal line scenarios, you know, in the red zone, he'd be the guy that'd be getting the ball more. But that's not always the case. Justice Hill did see some goal line touches in week one. I just think if you have either one of these guys in fantasy, it could get very frustrating week to week. And I think in favorable matchups, you start them both. I think in unfavorable matchups like this one, potentially, I think you bench them both. And I think that's going to be how it's going to be going going forward, unless we do see another injury in this backfield to one of these guys. And But I truly just don't think the Ravens are ever going to use one, like one running back as a true workhorse. We've seen that year in and year out. They like to use guys by committee. And I think you're just going to be benching or starting them based on matchup. You're also going to start Zay Flowers. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be starting like any Colts necessarily, which obviously one of them is going to have a decent game. It's probably going to be Michael Pittman if I had to guess. But other than that, I just would stay away from this team. I don't know if I'd be starting Zach Moss. I'd just be a little wary about that one. Um, it's probably fair to say that you can start the Jets and the Patriots defense in that game for obvious reasons. I mean, we just, we, we've seen this too many times, especially the past couple years 
with this Jets defense only improving. I mean, just last year, that the game ended up finishing 10-3 to in the last time they played with <laughs> the game-winning touchdown being off a punt return. So, of course, points for the defense slash special teams. So, I mean, I don't really think I need to do any convincing in this one. Both of these offenses are not looking great. We know how bad the Patriots' offensive weapons are. We know how bad Zach Wilson has been, especially historically against Bill Belichick. So start the Jets and the Patriots' defense if you have them. Um, up next, Panthers versus Seahawks. I wouldn't start any Panthers, especially with Bryce Young being hurt in this one. I just think it really limits their ceiling. Not that Andy Dalton can't come in and be comparable, but this offense isn't very good in general. And then I would tamper your expectations with the Seahawks. I mean, you're still going to start the usual suspects like the Tyler Lockett's and the DK's and the Kenneth Walker's, but this Panthers defense is actually pretty, pretty, whoa, little stutter is actually pretty good and should not be slept on so again you're going to start those guys but just tamper expectations uh start every single chief and their defense that we're playing the bears they are playing the bears this weekend and it's going to get ugly for the bears i think um there's going to be some turnovers you can definitely start the chiefs defense like i mentioned and you're going to start Kadarius tony you're going to start patrick mahomes you're going to start travis kelsey uh you can probably even start isaiah pacheco uh if you're in a really deep league, you can probably start up Jarek McKinnon. He's kind of due for one of those Jarek McKinnon, like five catch games. I don't really know if it's going to be this week, but either way, just start Mahomes, Kelsey, and Pacheco. Those three guys you're going to want to be starting. And Kadarius, Tony, Sky Moore, perhaps. Those could definitely be guys to be willing to start as well. Um, let's go on to the Cowboys. You're going to want to start every single Cowboy as well. Same deal. They're playing the Arizona Cardinals. This game might get ugly really quickly too. Of course, you're never going to be benching their defense. Their defense is fantastic, but you're going to start the usual suspects. Start up Dak. That's the one where maybe you have him on your bench and you're going to be considering like, oh, do I start Dak or X quarterback? Start Dak. Uh, I wouldn't overthink it in that one. Up next, start the Steelers' defense against the Las Vegas Raiders. I think the Raiders should be on upset alert in this one. The other biggest story coming out of this one, because I'm not trusting anybody on the Steelers' offense as of right now, Najee Harris has looked extremely inefficient. Kenny Pickett has not looked like he's going to break out like I thought he would. Um, but I think the biggest question about this one right now, other than, you know, should the uh, Steelers or sorry, should the Raiders be on upset alert against the Steelers, which of course, me personally, I think they should. I just think it's a coaching gap and I think the Steelers defense is really, really good. I think they're gonna expose Jimmy Garoppolo a little bit, but is it time to bench Josh Jacobs? That's really gonna be the question that will be answered after this week, in my opinion, because throughout the first two weeks, he's been awful. Not only is he not getting that many touches just because of circumstances, but when he is getting the touches, he is not making the most of it. Uh, his offensive line isn't doing him too many favors either, but. The numbers are the numbers, they don't lie. His numbers have been absolutely awful throughout the first two weeks. So keep your eye on that one. I think if he has another dud week, I don't know who they play week four. Obviously, if it's a really favorable matchup, you're not gonna be sitting him. But I mean, there's a point in time where the conversation has to be held and you really gotta think about it and consider it. Um, I think this is the week where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers come back down to earth a little. Just a really, really hard matchup in the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm benching Rashad White. We know how good and deep this Eagles defensive line is. And I'm not going to tell you to bench Evans or Godwin, but you might want to think about it. I mean, I'm kind of telling you to do that. I think you should really tamper expectations. I think, again, I just think this offense as a whole is going to come back down to earth. I don't think Baker is going to be held as cleanly in the pocket as he has been the past couple weeks. And 
in the same regard, I think you should tamper expectations with DeAndre Swift because I think this Bucks defensive line is the strength of this team, and they've done some really good things, especially in years past against the run. Uh, DeAndre Swift coming off a monster game, so again, I don't expect them to replicate that type of production. But this is the game, the game, excuse me, where you should be getting ready for AJ Brown's breakout. Go trade for him if you haven't already. I mentioned it in my last episode. AJ Brown. It's going to happen sooner rather than later. And I think I just have a gut feeling almost that this is going to be the week where he does it. Um, again, I just don't think this game is going to be too close. I think Baker Mayfield's probably going to have a turnover or two. Um, I really think that the Bucks are going to get exposed a little bit as pretenders. Not that that's that big of a surprise. I don't think anyone is expecting the Bucks to really come out and be world dominators. But A.J. Brown, there's not a single cornerback that can match up physically with this guy, and I think his breakout game is due, and I think it's going to be this week. So, with all that being said, let's finish up this episode with getting into my best bets. All right, guys, so we're going to finish up today's episode by covering my best bets of the week. First things first, we got to start with the over in the Chargers-Vikings game. I know it's going to be really high, and it's probably going to be even higher on some other people's books i have it at 53 and a half points right now that's what i got it at but i don't think it, that's that crazy both of these offenses can score a lot of points my reasoning being the chargers have scored 58 points this year that's sixth in the league they've also allowed 63 that's third to last so not only is this a high flying offense this defense can't stop shit um and this Vikings offense is shown to be very explosive in the passing game. Obviously, Tampa Bay held them, you know, limited them in some aspects. But the matter of fact is the Vikings put up 28 on the defending NFC Championship Eagles. And they're 25th in points allowed as well. So really good offense, two very mediocre defenses that have let up a lot of points two very very desperate teams that don't want to drop to 0-3 for all those reasons i really do think that the over is a very good bet in this game at 53 and a half points up next let's take the under in the tennessee browns game i mentioned it earlier i think this game is going to be ugly um, i know the last time i told you guys to take an under it really blew up in my face that was the commanders broncos game which ended up being like one of the highest scoring games of the week but this Browns offense is missing its best player. Get healthy soon, Nick Chubb. That fucking sucks. Deshaun has looked bad all year. And both of these defensive lines are really good for both of these teams. I think they're going to have a field day. Browns offensive line is beat up right now. This Titans defensive line is really, really deep. Has a lot of great rotational players. And the same can be said on the other side of the ball. This Titans offensive line, although it's not beat up, it's just not very good. And the strength of this Browns team so far has been this defense, particularly this defensive line. The additions of Dalvin Tomlinson and Zadarius Smith have already paid off dividends. I think we're going to see that trend continue in this one. I don't think we're going to see very many touchdowns at all in this game. I think we're going to see a lot of punts, a lot of field goals, a lot of very sloppy, ugly offense. I think we're going to see more like Ryan Tannehill of week one than we did of him week two against the Chargers. Um, I think both quarterbacks are going to end up throwing picks, maybe multiple picks in this one. Um, overall, I just really think that these defensive lines are going to dominate on both sides um, as far as the Titans defensive line and the Browns defensive line. I think defensively, that side of the line of scrimmage is just going to win almost every single time on every single down. So for all those reasons, I really, really like the under of 39.5 points for Tennessee versus Cleveland. Up next, this might sound crazy, but I really, really like this two-leg parlay. I'm telling like all my friends to take it because it's just so sneaky. It's two underdogs, but the Titans money line, Steelers money line. If you 
put those together in a parlay, it's plus 450 right now. I absolutely love those odds, purely because I love the coaching staffs of the Titans and the Steelers, the two of the best in the league. I love Mike Vrabel. I love Mike Tomlin. I didn't even think of that. They're both Mikes, but they, they know what they're doing. And these defensive lines are going to get after the quarterbacks. They're going to be the difference makers in this game. And Tennessee is one of those teams This again following the bill belichick patriot way mike rabel just finds a way to win and he finds a way to exploit your biggest weakness week in and week out uh these defensive lines are nasty on both ends steelers and titans and i really do think they're gonna have very good shots of upsetting their favorites in this game now i mentioned a best bet earlier when i was going over one of my segments and i said i was going to remind myself what it was and now I can't remember what I said. Oh, yeah. The under in the Ravens. Or no, I'm going to take the Colts spread in the Colts-Ravens game. I really like what Shane Steichen's been doing offensively for this team. He's been dialing up really great plays for Anthony Richardson. Even if he's not playing, Gardner Minshew is one of, if not the best backup quarterback in the entire league. I really like this the floor of this team at a very minimum. And the Baltimore Ravens, we know how beat up they have been. And the Indianapolis Colts, their D-line in particular, their defense is just really good, but their D-line in particular are really, really great unit. I think they're going to be able to slow down the rushing attack of the Baltimore Ravens. Sorry if you can hear the talking outside my window, but I really do think they're going to keep it within seven and a half points and it's plus 100. I think the value is just too good there to pass up on. And for those reasons, that's why I like the Colts against the Ravens this weekend. But that's going to do it for me, guys. I hope you did enjoy this episode. Be sure to follow me here on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to this from. Follow me over on Instagram, at Murphy's League. It's the same handle. I appreciate each and every single one of y'all. Share this with your friends and family, and have a great rest of your day. Peace out, guys.